a river to cross, waypoint number nine, finishing the race. The best for last. This is the part I have been waiting to get to. How then shall we now live for Christ as we finish our race? When I look back, I can't help but think it appears that I tried hard not to get this far. Yet this is the best part of life. No, it's not the easiest part. Some parts don't work well and some seemingly not at all. I have recently been suffering from what the medical field calls major depression and this has been a real challenge. None of that diminishes this truth. I can do all things through Christ Jesus and as I look to him, I know how to live in plenty and in want. And as I trust him, he directs my steps along a path of peace that is far beyond my understanding. Part four, all in. God wants all of us. Chapter 62, the Lord speaks to me again, but would I obey? Quote, and the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. God speaks to all of us all the time in many different ways. He speaks in his creation, Romans 1.20. He speaks to us in his word, 2 Timothy 3.16. He speaks to us through prayer, and he speaks to us in other ways. God is speaking to us right now, and he has been speaking continuously throughout all of time. God speaks to all of us in commands such as love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. God spoke and the world was created. God has spoken to us ever since creation and he is still speaking now. There never has been a problem with God speaking. The question is simply this, have we been and are we now listening? God has spoken very directly to me three times. God first spoke to me when I was 12 years old at a youth revival service in Meadville, Mississippi. God next spoke to me 34 years later at a Methodist church in Kapai County, Mississippi. The third time God spoke to me was on December 17, 2016, while I was driving and praying on my way to New Orleans. Each time God has spoken, he was specifically telling me what he required of me at that time. The first time I said yes, but did not follow through. The second time I said yes and partially obeyed. The third time God spoke to me, 50 years after he had first spoken, I said, yes, Lord, and I daily asked God to help me live that out. In the spring of 1966, there was a special youth revival at the Baptist Church in my hometown of Meadville, Mississippi. I attended the services, and on one of the nights, I don't recall how many nights it lasted, I came under deep conviction and answered God's call to the altar and then his call to salvation. I became keenly aware that I was a sinner, that my sin separated me from God, and that Jesus was the bridge. 
In essence, I heard the revivalist Gary Googe, if I recall his name correctly, say, Life is short, death is certain, sin is your problem, and Jesus is the cure. I went to the altar, knelt before Almighty God, and confessed Jesus as Lord and received him as Savior. I confessed my sin and was cleansed thoroughly by the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. I never felt cleaner than I did at that moment. I was weeping tears of joy. I truly felt God's amazing grace, and I knew I was free in ways I did not understand, but felt the freedom very pointedly. God continued to speak to me at the altar, and he called me to be a pastor at that very moment. He said my life was no longer my own. I was to follow him. In the very moment God spoke, I was in full agreement. I remained in that frame of mind for some time. There came a time later when I did some self-talk and reminded myself that I had always wanted to be a lawyer. Then I did very pointedly what characterizes the entire rest of my life. I did what Hollis wanted to do. I chose, quote, drinking, end quote, over, quote, preaching, end quote. In essence, the drinking phase of my life lasted for the next 21 years through the cataclysmic events of 1987 that ushered in a new period of, quote, preaching, end quote. Thirty-four years after the youth revival, God spoke to me again in June 2000. I was a Chancery Court judge over a four-county district in southwest Mississippi, Amit County, Franklin County, Pike County, and Walthall County. I had opened a restaurant, the Home of Chitta, where I was the primary cook three nights a week. Prudence and I had three young children. Just a few weeks into the restaurant business, Ron Barham, the district superintendent of the Methodist Church, was in the home of Chitta eating, and he asked me if I, quote, could do another one of those jobs, end quote, for him. I knew what he meant. I had filled in for pastors at a couple of different churches, once when the pastor had surgery and another time when a pastor resigned suddenly for personal reasons. I said, Ron, my plate is pretty full, but if you need me to help, I will. His response was simply, meet me in Brookhaven next Wednesday about five in the afternoon, and I will take you up to meet the people at the church where I need your help. The following Wednesday, I went to Brookhaven and met Ron at his house. I was feeling good that Ron trusted me to fill in for him at another church and looked forward to serving for a few weeks. He had not mentioned anything about how long he needed me. I knew the name Beauregard as being just above Wesson, where I went one year to junior college at Capine Lincoln Junior College, but I don't think I had ever actually been to Beauregard. Ron and I were visiting, meaning I was mostly listening to Ron as we drove the relatively short drive from Brookhaven to Beauregard. When we came into Beauregard, following the old highway, the back way in, and we got to the place where we literally were in sight of the church, Ron changed the sub subject and said, We're going to have a covenant meeting. I swallowed hard and said, Ron, Covenant is a big word for filling in. Then Ron said, Hollis, I may not have told you the whole story here. 
the pastor there, Linwood McLean, is leaving. They really love him a lot, and this move is not what the church wants. But I have to have someone to replace him, and that would be you, my friend. I was basically speechless as we walked into the beautiful old sanctuary at Beauregard, and there was a pastor at the pulpit with a guitar, and he was singing. I couldn't preach, I couldn't play a guitar, and I sure couldn't sing. I had two other full-time jobs, and I lived 50 miles from this church. Nervous and unsettled are major understatements of how I felt at that moment. Ron introduced me to the pastor, a wonderful and godly man, and then led me into the fellowship hall where a group of men and women the Pastor Parish Relations Committee were gathered around a table, no doubt lamenting the loss of their beloved pastor and wondering who in the world would be next. I settled into a chair and began the process of being introduced to this group of inquisitive strangers who wanted to know all about who I was and why I was there. There came a point in the covenant meeting when one of the leaders, Adrian Hyatt, looked at me with gentle but piercing eyes with a deep voice and inquired of me, Brother McGeehee, do you believe God called you to Beauregard? How could I answer that without sounding flippant? I bought time by asking a question. Brother Hyatt, is that right? Yes, sir. I answered honestly from my heart in great joy and tears brimming in my eyes. Brother Hyatt, I did not know where this church was an hour ago, but I, I can tell you as I have sat in this room with all of you, I have never been more sure of anything in my life that I am finally in the right place. I knew at that moment in the deepest part of my being that I was doing what God had put me on earth to do, to be a pastor, to be a servant to God by serving other people. I felt the same way I had felt on that night 34 years earlier. I felt clean. I felt at home. I felt a purpose and meaning to my life that transcended anything I had ever felt before as a lawyer or a judge. God gives us these moments in time when we know that we know that we know. The question then becomes, will you honor God in this? Those people gathered around that table and those in the sanctuary were almost instantly family and deeply loved by me. They are and continue to be deeply loved by me to this day, though some of them have graduated, including Brother Adrian Hyatt, one of the most godly and deeply rooted Christian men God ever put in my path. But again, I did not fully embrace what God was saying. I allowed my job, things others said, and life to convince me that I could preach and drink, quote, end quote, that I could have it my way and God's way. That has never worked, and it will never, ever work. Not now, not ever, not for me, not for anyone. There is only one way, and that is God's way. Now, we are not all called to serve as a pastor, but we are all called to serve God with our whole heart. And as good as I felt about that where I was, I continued with a divided mind and heart. The thing I didn't know or would not admit to myself is that a divided heart is a heart pulling away from God and it will land you in the ditch 10 times out of 10. Jesus said it like this, 
No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew six twenty four. I served at Beauregard for several years, and if I had followed God's leading in my heart, I would be there, Ebenezer, Bendale, or wherever God placed me to pastor to this day. Quote, but Hollis, end quote, trumped, quote, but God, end quote, not ultimately, but in the moment. I got in the way and I thought, well, since I have to have this other job and since my family lives in Meadville and since they did not want to move, I will move to a church closer to home. Thus, I came to Ebenezer Methodist Church and to yet another group of wonderful, loving men and women and children who are to this day a part of my heart. Subsequently, I went to Bendale and served Antioch and Pine Grove, where I met yet another group of incredibly loving and accepting people. I must say that at some deep level, I do not pretend to understand, even in my failures, the failures were all mine and none of God, that God was in control and what has come has reason and purpose. I know that and I am settled in my mind with that. We are in a hallway called life and God brings us to a door and either we trust him and go in or we refuse and God eventually brings us to another door. The road not taken is not somewhere we can spend our time, but I know there was a road I missed at Beauregard, and I just have to leave that to God. Fifty years after the first door opened for me at Meadville Baptist Church in 1966, God spoke to me a third time. One week before Christmas 2016, I was driving to New Orleans, which from my home, a small cabin on Black Creek in Forest County, Mississippi, is about 100 miles. My goal was to meet up with the ladies from Light of Hope Ministries to minister to people living outside in New Orleans. I was serving as a senior status judge for the state, and I worked on Saturdays with people living on the streets in New Orleans. Traveling south down Interstate 59 with about an hour to go to Vintage Church, God spoke to me for the third time in my life. I am honored to hear God's voice even though it's been 50 years since the first time God spoke. I recognized his voice instantly. Now God speaks to me many times every day through scripture, prayer, songs, people, and in various other ways. His words are always clear, but his voice, quote, end quote, in giving direction on this third time and the two others was different, both authoritative and unmistakable. God spoke and convicted me of the righteousness and the reality of his call. His voice penetrated down to the cellular level of my spirit. On each of these three occasions, the voice of God was a very different voice than the voice he uses in my daily contact with him. This was a voice I had only heard twice before, and I knew instantly what was happening. God was bringing me to the same door he brought me to in 1966 and in 2000. God was giving me another chance to respond to his call on my life. This time, without hesitating or wavering, I said, Yes, Lord. 
and I meant it with all that I am and all that I have. I knew this meant I had to immediately set aside my job as a senior status judge. I knew I had to immediately set aside the only active income I had and follow Jesus. I did not hesitate. This time I really got in. Finally, 50 years later, I was truly ready to listen to God and respond right away. That very night, I drafted a letter to the Chief Justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court, the Honorable William L. Waller, Jr., who gave me the blessing of serving as a senior status judge to preside over and rule on some of the most difficult, challenging, controversial, and publicized cases the state had during my years in that position. I just plainly and simply told the chief, who I had known for more than 40 years and who I know to be a strong Christian, that God had called me again, and this time I must answer. My answer must be yes, and it must be now. I told him that I regretted any problem or inconvenience this may cause, but I have to drop my nets, pick up my cross, and follow Jesus. Monday, I sent the letter to the chief, and I wrote a number of other court personnel and attorneys and immediately and fully severed my connection to the judiciary and the legal system. God blessed the commitment in my heart with a deep and abiding peace, going from all rise for the honorable and having a paying job to ministering on the streets of New Orleans to the least of these has been nothing less than a wonderful gift from God. I am totally at ease knowing I am right where God placed me, doing what he placed me here to do at this hour, and all of the rest is just details. God has a way of confirming things that, to me, is as clear as his call. In my experience, it is not that God gives me something. He imparts to me a clear sense of his presence, purpose, and peace. Forty years of busyness ended with that letter. The phone was quiet, and my countless daily lawyer emails just stopped. There was no anxiousness about any of this. Instead, there was an eagerness to hear what God had next because I could feel it in my bones that he had something else. The something else is simply him. I hear Jesus calling me, saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. There is nothing that even comes close to that feeling. It is as if the very molecules of your makeup have been spiritually re-engineered to line up into the peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7. When we find our delight in what he delights in, we find a delight that cannot be matched by any physical experience in this world. Immediately, there were opportunities to minister to people who were there all along. They were lost or missed by me due to my busyness. My prayers felt immediately richer, and I had the sense that I was closer to God than ever before. God is always just right there, and he has promised, and he always keeps his promises never to leave us. Yet as soon as I acted on a full commitment to God, it felt as if we had become roommates. Now God had been there all along, but I was on a journey to a far country and was too busy with the things of this world to be as aware of God's presence as I am now. 
Let me be clear. We do not have to quit a job to find God. We just have to say yes fully and finally to his will, his way, and his time. Responding like Abraham did, he trusted and obeyed promptly and thoroughly. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. Genesis 22, verses 1 through 6. God promptly and thoroughly showed me confirmation that my decision was the right decision. God confirmed the decision to me by reassuring me not to be anxious about my life, about my clothes, about my shelter, that he would provide for me if I just put him first. He said to me, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. God spoke a third time, and I listened. I trusted and obeyed promptly. A few weeks into, yes, Lord, your will be done, while on a daily walk in the woods, I felt God leading me to make the following commitment, which I recorded in my daily journal. Quoting from that journal, Prayer Circle of My Life. Lord, at 10.12 a.m. on 1.9.17, in a circle drawn by my walking staff under the Big Cone Pine Tree on Black Creek Trail in DeSoto National Forest, I declare, I am yours, all I am, all I have, all of my hopes and dreams, all of my resources, all of my gifts, I am yours. Turn me inside out for you, your kingdom, your glory. All of me. Please take all of me. Can't I see I am nothing without you? I give you the part that once was my heart. Please receive all of me. I want nothing but to do your will, Lord. Help me not to look back. May the rest of my earthly life be a circle of prayer leading up to heaven. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, I call this tree and this circle and all who read this as witnesses against me. If all that I am and all that I have and all of my days are not committed to you, in Jesus' name, amen. God the Father was not a reluctant creator. He held back nothing in creation. He went all in to create a magnificently beautiful and perfectly suited universe for us. Abraham did not hold back anything when he laid it all on the line with God and obeyed as he offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Jesus held back nothing when he 
became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he did for us. God's call on us is to offer ourselves all that we have and all that we are withholding nothing. These blessings continue day by day, but I also am experiencing some resistance against my commitment. This is no surprise. Jesus told us, in this world you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. We read in Peter's epistle, quote, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. End quote. 1 Peter 2.21 The challenges are not to be seen as something to shrink back from. No, we must embrace them and know that if Jesus suffered greatly, we will surely suffer some challenges along the way. We have to let go of the worldly view that everything going our way is the desirable path. Instead, we need to embrace a whole new way of thinking. Paul lived it and said it so well when he proclaimed, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Prayer. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness and patience with me. I thank you that you are patient with all of us. You have a perfect plan and will for each person, and when we miss your direction, you just repeat it until we get it or we pass on. I thank you for your third call, and Lord, by your grace, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We were never our own. We are yours.